Happy are those who consider the poor. The Lord delivers them in the day of trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. They are called happy in the land. You do not give them up to the will of their enemies. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed. In their, in their illness, you heal, heal all their infirmities. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. By this I know that you are pleased with me, because my enemy has not triumphed over me. But you have held me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Holy wisdom, holy word. For all who are able, please rise for the gospel reading. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your, son, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and take your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is God's word. It was um, a rare occasion for Jesus to be home in Capernaum. And the people from all around gathered. They flocked to come see him. I mean, incredible stories had been told and reported about him, about what was, what was being done by this, their hometown, you know, carpenter-turned-prophet so it was standing room only in that little house. The fortunate ones were able to get through the door and crowd into the main room, and there were many more pressed together outside the doors trying to get a glimpse of this amazing man. And then they came. The little group, they were fervently trying to, to push their way through to, toward the door, but it was particularly difficult because... Well, it was almost impossible because these four carried uh, their paralyzed friend on a mat, a, a makeshift sort of stretcher between them. Now, I, I don't suppose that the crowd really noticed their thwarted efforts until the commotion on the roof began and you know, dirt and straw began falling on their heads and they're saying, 
Hey, oh, look what's happening. What's happening? To, the, the roof is falling in. Help, we're going to all be... And then there was an opening that, that came, that kind of formed, and the, the light started streaming in, and at first it was blinding to them, and, and then they could see four sweaty faces looking down, and something was being lowered and came to rest right at the foot of Jesus. Well, a hush came over the crowd. I mean, they wondered what Jesus was going to do in response to this. Uh, every person in the crowd waited to see how he would react. I mean, the religious leaders that were there, these were his critics, they watched him closely. All eyes were on him and all ears were attuned to hear what kind of rebuke he was going to give to this outlandish and destructive behavior. But to everyone's surprise, no rebuke came out of his lips. The, the, he looked first up at the, the, the men on, on the roof and then he looked down at the one on the, the floor and he seemed to have an expression of of admiration and he was admiring their faith and and he had compassion for the one who was in need of his help and he spoke son your sins are forgiven a gasp i'm in another electric moment in this crowd and and then the murmuring began the scribes were enraged thinking who does this man think he is anyway? Forgiving sins, indeed. Only God can do that. And Jesus, being a mind reader, responded. He said, yes, the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, and forgiveness leads to healing. But since that is obviously too much for you, let me rephrase it so that it will go down just a little more easily. Then he spoke to the man. Stand up, take up your mat, and walk home. And the man stood up. And he took his mat and tucked it under his arm, and he walked out in front of everyone. And everyone together said, Wow, we have never seen anything like this. Wow. Now, I want to make two points about this marvelous story. One is about faith, and, and that's a, you know, I want you to particularly take note of that because uh, Brad told me that you're in this series about deepening your faith, and so I want you to report that I preached <laughs> about, about faith. <laughs> and the other point I want to make is about obstruction. First, what was it that prompted Jesus to respond in this situation? Now, granted, the, you know, the hole in the, in the roof bit caused quite a hubbub that would have been hard to ignore, but what does it say in the text right before Jesus speaks to the paralytic? It says, when Jesus saw their faith, now, the Greek word that was originally written here is a word, uh, is pistas, which means it translated faith in this case, but it's a wonderful word because it has a, a, a rich variety of meanings, including 
loyalty and commitment and trust. And this makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, the ones who are doing the heavy lifting in this story are loyal. They're loyal to the paralyzed one. They could have abandoned him. They, they could have, uh, you know, gotten through, probably through the crowd by themselves without that burden, but they managed to carry the paralyzed one with them as they struggle through that jostling crowd. And, and so they are loyal. And Jesus sees their pistas, their loyalty. What's more, the, the ones who do the heavy lifting are committed, so committed that they will even sustain property damage against an unknown householder to make sure that they get their charge before Jesus. They could have turned away when they saw the large crowd, but instead they climb up to the top of the house, and that couldn't have been easy, and they proceed to take the roof off. They are committed, and Jesus sees their pistas, their commitment. Even more, the same heavy lifters who are loyal and committed are also trusting. They trust somehow that getting their charge before Jesus will change everything. So they do what they must to gain access and lower their charge down in an act of unimpeachable trust. And Jesus sees their pistas, their trust. It is this trust, this commitment, this loyalty, this pistas that precedes Jesus' announcement of forgiveness and his declaration that he has authority to forgive sins. Mark tells us all of this happens when Jesus saw their faith. But notice what Mark doesn't tell us. Mark doesn't tell us who they are. Think about this. I mean, we live in a time when even the Supreme Court of the land holds as constitutional the right of governments to require that we carry identification papers and to produce them on demand. We live in a time when who we are matters. We polarize ourselves by means of our identities, you know, conservative, progressive, management, labor, young, old, gay, or straight, and the list goes on for a variety of reasons, some important and historic, some self-serving and privileged, identity matters to us. Name, vocation, class, politics, theology, ethnicity, identity matters to us. But what is fascinating is that none of this matters to the gospel writer even though he lives in a time when there are vast differences among people. There are class distinctions, cultural distinctions, political distinctions, theological distinctions, distinctions having to do with gender and sexuality, not much different than today. But Mark doesn't use even so much as a single adjective in describing these particular four folks. I wonder if Mark is trying to remind us of something something critical that we have forgotten in our thirst for, for definitions and division and self-justification for classification and identification. Perhaps, just perhaps, Mark is saying that Jesus 
is not interested in recognizing who these heavy lifters are. Jesus is too busy noticing what these heavy lifters do. They act with loyalty to the paralyzed one, the one whom they will not leave outside. They have committed themselves to getting the, that paralyzed one to Jesus by any means necessary, even if it means tearing the roof off. And they trust that if they get their charge to Jesus, everything will be different. Friends, Mark brings to us the faith of the unidentified. The faith that has animated the church for more than 2,000 years. Countless unidentified faithful have done the heavy lifting long before we ever came along, bringing to Jesus people and churches and nations that are paralyzed. Paralyzed by fear or hope. Paralyzed by the isms and phobias that have always threatened to tear us apart paralyzed by, the theolo by theological rifts and financial burdens, paralyzed by fear of death and even a greater fear of change, paralyzed by the threat of love or the cold familiarity of contempt, paralyzed by the reality of war or the yearning for peace, paralyzed by the call for justice or by the clamor for self-preservation, paralyzed by the call to tomorrow and the longing for yesterday. This is the faith of the unidentified a loyalty that refuses to abandon the paralyzed one, a commitment to unfettered access to Jesus, a trust that no matter what the paralysis, Jesus is able completely to change the picture, to forgive those whom society has named accursed, to, um, to command empowerment in the face of paralysis, Empowerment, not just to take up one's own pallet or mat, but empowerment to become loyal, tenacious, trusting, unidentified heavy lifters, bringing the next and the next and the next paralyzed one to Jesus. Faith. May we all be found among the faithful doing the heavy lifting. Secondly, I can't help but wonder about the crowd that blocked the way for these folks to get in to see Jesus. I mean, the nice part of me wants to give them the benefit of the doubt. They were there to see Jesus themselves and they were intent upon that, that project and so they were un it was unintentional that they were blocking anyone else's way. It, it was circumstantial. Now, the, the not-so-nice part of me, and there is that part, thinks that they pretended not to see the paralyzed one and his friends for fear that if those folks got in to see Jesus, then maybe I wouldn't. You know, if they get a piece of Jesus, then maybe I won't, and so I'm not about to let them in. It's that familiar old scarcity model that tends to keep us from doing anything at times. Okay, and the, the cynical part of me believes that the crowd simply saw the paralytic as being unworthy to, being, to, to be in the presence of Jesus. 
He's obviously such a depraved sinner to be in terrible shape like he is, and he doesn't deserve any favors from anyone. So thinking about the crowd, I, I wonder, do we ever block anyone from getting to Jesus? Unintentionally, of course, you know, when we don't see them and we continue doing things just the way we've always done them. Or maybe after thinking about it, we decide that it is too costly and we can't afford it. Or when it gets right down to it, we really want to protect the church's purity and therefore must keep undesirable people out. Do you ever wonder why when we know that God loves all people, sometimes it seems as though the church doesn't? And I'm not just talking about LGBT folks. So maybe we need to find where we fit. Where do we find ourselves in this story? I think we'd like to see ourselves as the heavy lifters demonstrating their faith by making it possible for someone to see Jesus. And perhaps it's maybe easy to see us on the mat ourselves, you know, uh, having others help us to get to Jesus. Perhaps we feel paralyzed by life and in need of healing ourselves. I've been there. But I think it's not so easy. In fact, it's not even comfortable to see ourselves as the crowd blocking the way to Jesus. Or as the scribes, these religious leaders who cannot see the miracle for what it is because they're too hung up on the letter of the law and they miss the spirit of it entirely. One thing is for sure, there is healing in Jesus. Healing and forgiveness and wholeness. Healing that will enable us to walk, to run, to soar even. Healing that will inspire us to take bold and innovative action, to take risks if necessary in order to enable those who do not yet know the world of amazing grace and unconditional love found in Jesus healing like no one's ever seen before. I hope we all hear the prophetic voice calling us to widen the path that leads to Jesus so that all may have access to him. All may encounter him and find healing in him and be transformed. We are a diverse people. We church people, don't you think? I mean, you know, we, we, right here in this room, I'll bet we don't agree on everything. We come from different places, we have different experience, different passions, and a, a great variety of opinions, yes? I mean, we may read scripture a little differently and differ on the way scripture should be applied in order to make a difference in the world, a world that is changing at an ever-increasing speed. Sometimes we need to rethink, reform, re-envision the path to Christ. If what we've always done isn't working quite so well anymore, let's envision another way that makes room for everyone. 
I'm sure it's, it's hard work, but if that's what it takes to get people to see Jesus, then let us be about it. Let us be the body of Christ at work to widen the path, to introduce and reintroduce people to Jesus Christ, the healer and the source of life, and, and to give a brighter future to the next generation. Word by word, dream by dream, prayer by prayer, hope by hope. Then people will say they have never experienced anything like this. Amen? Amen. Amen.